Welcome to Growth Hack by Poppy Digital. Tips and tricks to master the algorithms from industry insiders. Now here's your host, Julian Espinoza. Welcome back to Growth Hack, where we break down marketing channels like Google, Facebook, Instagram, and show them how to make them work for you. Do you have a social media strategy? I hope most of you answer the question with yes. Here's a follow-up question. How long has it been since you revisited that strategy? On today's episode of Growth Hack, we bring on Jay Bear, and he tells us we should look at our social media strategy once per quarter and rehaul it each year. Jay is the founder of Convince and Convert, a consulting firm that works with the world's most iconic brands like the United Nations, 3M, and Hilton. I get to ask Jay the burning questions, like why it's so important to revisit your social media strategy and should a company even do social media. Welcome, Jay. Julian, fantastic to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you not rescheduling. <laughs> yeah, it happens. I've been doing a weekly podcast now since January of 2012, uh, so I know how that goes. <laughs> it, it, you get a lot of reschedules. Yeah. So let's cut to the chase. Let's get right into it. Why should a company do social media? Well, you should do social media if it makes you money, saves you money, or both. And really for no other reason. Um, social media is not inexpensive. It's just different expensive. Uh, there is not only a real cost uh, in terms of your time, and in some cases advertising or creative costs, but there's also an opportunity cost. Every hour you spend in social is an hour you could have spent doing literally anything else. Uh, and I feel like because social is where so many people spend their time now, we almost are active in social as a reflex in business, and, and that's probably misplaced. Um, there's, there's a lot more people misusing social than, than using social appropriately, which is why if you ask businesses, you know, how many of you are really killing it with social? Not that many because they're just doing it because they feel like they, they should. And it's hilarious to me that we're even having this conversation because I've been in marketing and been in digital marketing long before social media was even a premise. Uh, and, and so it was, it took a long time for me to actually convince people they should do it at all. And now I talk more people out of it than I talk them into it. It's like the whole thing's gone full circle. There is so much that takes to be successful with a digital marketing strategy, with, with a social strategy. Talk to us like from a theory standpoint, how should we approach when should we start doing social media as far as like this opportunity cost related to other activities we could be doing? And, and it's not a theory. I mean, I, I run one of the world's largest digital marketing and social media strategy firms. So it's definitely not a theory. We, we do it every day. But um, it, it's not about whether you should do social because for a lot of people, social is kind of the manifestation of the brand. Right, they're interacting with your business in social instead of uh, on the website, or certainly instead of coming to the the business uh, in in three dimensions. Especially now with the rise of e-commerce and COVID and everything else, so you, you almost have to have a social media presence at some level because it's part of your brand. I think I think the issue is 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 what you're trying to get out of it. You talked about it earlier, Julian, this idea that somehow um, because you're in social media that necessarily is going to create net new customers and net new dollars, that's a load of shit. Like, that's not necessarily the case. Um, think about it this way. It, social media is governed by algorithms, right? The way the algorithm is, is set is they will show you things that you have demonstrated you care about disproportionately. Cool. 
Well, then who is likely to be interacting with your business in social media? People who have already interacted with your business before. So this is the part that people get, get confused about. Social media can be used as a way to get net new customers and net new dollars. In most cases, social media is best used to get incrementally more dollars from existing customers, right? Social is a much better retention and account growth mechanism than it is a net new customer acquisition mechanism in most cases. Obviously, there's lots of examples to the contrary, but especially from an organic social media perspective, what we typically tell our clients is take people who like you and use organic social media to make them love you. And that's a different recipe than invent money for me out of Instagram. Totally makes sense because you're, you're talking about amplification. You're talking about distribution. You're talking about the idea of reaching new people versus people who know you. And those are two different games. It's completely two different things. And most people don't have that strategy figured out, right? They're just like, we should just do social. And they're not saying, okay, is the strategy to, instead of getting four orders a year from this customer, use social to get six or to increase average order size or to reduce churn and defection or to use social for recruiting or any other number of circumstances? Or is it to use social to get customers from thin air? All of those things are possible, but unless you have a documented strategy that says this is what we're using social for, you are definitely going to be wasting time and money. I can promise you that. I'm going to call you Nostradamus because you I, you had my next question ready to go. It, it, it is social strategy. Ah, perfect. What are the different types of strategies? What are the different types of things that you could be focusing on from a strategy perspective? Yeah, and, and usually it's not one thing. Uh, when we build a social strategy for a major brand, especially because they're typically larger companies, social serves a lot of masters, right? It, it has a lot of roles. Um, and, and Charlene Lee uh, sort of presaged this years and years ago. Um, she's at Altimeter Group, their founder, and, and geez, it must have been eight or nine years ago now. She said, eventually social media is going to be air. It will be all around us in business instead of water, like a lake or a river. We have to go make a trip to find it. And, and she's right. So in big companies, there's a social layer uh, to everything. There's sort of social frosting on every piece of cake in the business, right? So what's the social strategy for recruiting? What's the social strategy for crisis? What's the social strategy for innovation and product development? What's the social strategy for sales? Um, what's the social strategy for customer retention and customer service? Like there's a social piece to all of that. But one of the best ways to think about social strategy, Julian, and, and I think this is useful for, for the audience, force yourself to make a pie chart. Like, yeah, you probably need social to do a little of a lot of things, but which of those things matter the most to your business? So what I have my strategists do at Convince to Convert is create a pie chart for every client, which says, okay, you have X number of people, therefore Y number of hours, uh, ipso facto, Z number of, of sort of overall assets. Here, literally in a pie chart, is how we believe you should distribute those assets, right? You should spend 32% on customer retention. Within that 32%, it should be this percentage uh, on Twitter, this percentage on Facebook, this percentage on this initiative, et cetera. You should spend this percentage on net new customer acquisition, and within that, it should be mostly Snapchat or whatever the, the hypothesis is, right? But 
um, when you force yourself to divvy it up, then you got to make some hard choices because the biggest mistake, well, two mistakes that people make in social. One, random acts of social. Second, just doing more. And, and so many of my clients have this problem because the CEO comes into their office and says, hey, uh, how come we're not on TikTok or how come we're not on Clubhouse? Or I was talking to my buddy Jim and he's the CEO of this other company and he says they're killing it on Clubhouse and we're not on Clubhouse at all. What's your problem? And so the CMO, who's typically my client, is like, well, I'm getting asked to do Clubhouse or TikTok or whatever the flavor of the day is. And so they just add that. Well, you know, you don't have infinite resources. So when, when a client asks me whether they should add something like Clubhouse or TikTok or whatever, I always have the same answer, Julian, every time. You ready? I've, I've been ready. <laughs> Somebody asks me, I want to do this. And I always say the same thing. Great. What are you going to stop doing? Because you can't just say yes to everything, right? You can't spread the peanut butter infinitely thin because then you end up doing everything half-assed and that's not going to work. So we've got this idea of this pie chart, which I love. Um, every client has a pie chart, different percentages um, for, for different initiatives. A company has recruiting goals. A company has branding goals. A company has customer service goals. A company has uh, customer acquisition goals. So, so the idea that, um, what's important to solve here and, and what sort of departments you're going to get to help you out with this because, you know, you're not uh, – the marketing department isn't a recruiter. So they don't know, like, what, you're, what positions you're recruiting for. So you're going to have to get play from them, right, from that. So I think this pie chart, it, it sort of um, – it helps establish a goal for, for a company, and, and, I, and I really like that idea. So – Coming back to this idea of the CMO walks into the office and says, why aren't we on Clubhouse? Why aren't we on TikTok? Or what are we doing on Clubhouse? What are we doing on TikTok? How do you go about picking social channels in, in this busy world? There's a couple things to think about. Certainly um, one that has been true since electricity uh, is you should probably spend more time where your target audience spends their time. Um, you know, which sounds super obvious, but in practice, it's not. People get um, misaligned on that constantly. Um, you know, just because a social channel exists doesn't mean that your customers are disproportionately likely to spend time there. So, so that's the first filter is, you know, like, for example, I'm a Snapchat ambassador uh, and, and advocate um, people using Snapchat uh, even for B2B, it can be really effective. It's a 300% return on ad spend on average. Uh, it's probably underutilized at this point, especially for B2B and, uh, and DTC brands. But the reality is that audience is 24 and younger. So if you're selling, I don't know, vitamins or prune juice or you know, <laughs> anything that skews older, it's probably not your audience, right? So don't do that. So that's the first step is, is where are your people? Uh, second step is, um, is there a, a social channel or an opportunity where you feel like you can do something disproportionately good? And by good, I mean engaging. It's going to solicit audience engagement because engagement's what powers the algorithm, which gives you free reach and free exposure and free results. Um, so if you've got an idea 
that inherently works better on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram because maybe it's more photo-driven or what have you, then, then that's something to be said. Uh, and then the third one, and this is probably a little bit better advice for smaller businesses and entrepreneurs, is you should probably lean towards the social channels that you personally prefer. Because one of the things I've really learned in my career, Julian, is that if you don't love social media, you'll probably suck at social media, right? If you hate taking pictures, even if Instagram is right strategically for your business, you're probably not going to spend the requisite time there. You're probably going to let it kind of go fallow because it's going to feel like work uh, to you. Um, and, and so if there's a particular channel that you really like, you should probably give that a little extra credit when you think about which place to spend time. Businesses are stressed out. They, uh, it's the CML runs in and says, I need to, we, where are we on these, on these channels? So businesses feel that they need to be everywhere. How can we give them a, a, the, the right message to basically convince them that it's okay that they're not? What, what's this mindset and how can we get someone there? It's easy to get them there. You just have to measure it appropriately. Right. The, the reason people can get away with this idea that you can you should just do more and be in more places is that they're not measuring actual business value in any of the places. So if somebody says, well, we'll be better off just doing more or adding a channel or starting a YouTube channel or, or whatever the advice is, unless you have math to look at before and after, you're like, well, OK, because then it's just somebody arguing, you know, for with no actual evidence so the, the biggest issue is that most people don't measure social appropriately, right? They're still looking at, at followers or number of likes or even engagement rate, things like that, that don't really um, helicopter back to, to revenue or, or business success. And so um, you just got to spend a little more time on analytics. And, and, and part of the other problem is that a lot of businesses, especially small companies, you know, the same person who's making the stuff is also in charge of measuring the stuff. And that's a little bit of a fox watching the hen house scenario. Uh, it's it's kind of easy to gerrymander your data when you're the one who's measuring your own success. So what we what we often recommend clients is that the analytics department and and sort of the the, the making stuff department are divorced. Um, you just get better analytics that way. Let's say you have a social strategy in place. It's 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 ready. You've been running it for thirty sixty days. How often? Should you revisit? And what's the power of revisiting? Well, the power is that social changes every 10 minutes, um, almost almost literally. Um, you, you have, of course, new platforms from time to time, although not with great frequency, but certainly annually. Uh, but more importantly, what works changes all the time. Um, because, again, it's powered by the algorithm. The algorithm is driven by human behavior. And, and also at some level um, – what other people in your topical cloud are doing in social changes, kind of what people's expectations are, et cetera. So um, we typically will do a shallow analysis of a strategy every 90 days uh, and a, a deeper dive uh, twice a year and, and kind of revisit uh, the strategy. Um, that's not, you don't need that same kind of frequency in many other types of marketing strategy because you don't have the same kind of pace of change. But in social, you really, really do. I mean, I don't know what the number is, but, but Facebook changes, tweaks the algorithm uh, every single week. Like, and that's not an exaggeration. I mean, every single week. So 
you know, literally you can't step in the same river twice. So you don't need to change your strategy every week, nor should you uh, any, by any stretch of the imagination. But this idea that, you know, uh, we, 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 we did this amazing social media strategy in 2017 and we're still rolling it out there, like, that's probably not working anymore. Can you give us an example of a strategy that you put in place, you did a shallow, then you did a deep, and then discovering in the deep that you discovered that something needed to change. Can you give us an example of that? Yeah, so we, we work with a number of, uh, uh, of universities. Um, I do a lot of work in higher ed, a lot of categories, but higher ed also. And uh, we work at a major American university that everybody would, would uh, recognize. And uh, we had a, a social strategy that was um, focused on uh, Facebook uh, because they were trying to reach alumni. And was really driven by focusing on a small number of topics that alums are disproportionately interested in, uh, research, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, and and doing kind of high quality content uh, on a on a semi regular basis. It's not a daily cadence. I think twice a week or something like that. And it was working great. Uh, worked really well. And then um, Facebook made some changes to the algorithm uh, and and kind of what was working and what what didn't work and then it stopped working. So we, we did an initial um, kind of shallow analysis and said, okay, um, I think what we need to do is change the content format uh, and pay off the, the content itself in the, in the post, no links. So basically did away with links in the posts, didn't link back to the university website, just told the story in the Facebook post itself and, and said, you know, people can find their way to the website if necessary that worked um, uh, some, uh, but then that stopped working as well. So then we had to do a deep dive and and realize that the algorithm had changed so much that that approach just wasn't going to work really at all. So we had to change the entire content formula and the cadence, and now we vary content. So um, one of the things that alumni love is nostalgia. Here's a picture of the classroom building in 1962, and here's what it looks like today. Here is a story about the old bar just off of campus that was amazing, and who went to that bar, right? So the people like that kind of throwback approach. So now what we do um, is we kind of throw out something like that, uh, and everybody likes it and comments and shares, and that trips the algorithm. And then the next post we put up is is more factual, you know, today we're doing this cancer research, et cetera, um, which maybe isn't as inherently engaging, but because the post right before it was really popular, it gets a lot of reach and a lot of exposure. So we've literally changed the entire recipe uh, based on on algorithms uh, that have, have been tweaked over time. Just out of curiosity, what's the goal for uh, this particular university with alumni? What's the pie chart look like there for that? Yeah, so for them, it's it's twofold. One, um, being able to consistently uh, reach them with positive messages about the university's uh, work and impact. Um, and then the sort of downstream goal, which social is part of the story, but but not wholly, is, is donations. Uh, an assumption that at some point these people will have kids themselves who... Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, um, you it's funny you mentioned that. That's not really one of the goals is, is second generation matriculation. Um, so, to, you know, your kids should go here too. Um, but it could be. Uh, but, but that's such a long-term payoff in some cases. And, and it's a big school. So, so they have, you know, hundreds of thousands of alumni uh, at, at every life stage. 
Um, so that's not one of the goals that they've talked about. But but typically it's consistent engagement is a marker for potential donation. And so we sort of use social to kind of keep people excited, and then that yields dollars down the road. So I, I also heard about this thing called the Bear Facts. And I don't know, am, do, do, do I get an invitation? Does my audience get an invitation to this Bear Facts? Everybody, everybody. It's brand new. Everybody gets an invitation. It's a, a newsletter I just started um, a little bit ago. Uh, and I send it out every other Saturday uh, via email. You can sign up uh, for free at thebearfacts.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-E-R-F-A-C-T-S.com. Uh, and every issue, I, I tell you a little story about something that's happened to me in my real life uh, in the preceding two weeks. And then I use that story uh, to give you a lesson about marketing or customer experience. Then I find a statistic um, and some research that, that sort of buttresses that idea. Uh, and then I give you some recommendations of books to read, podcasts to listen to. There's always a tequila or some kind of booze review. I'm a tequila um, sommelier, so there's usually a tequila review. Uh, and that was a life hack, too. Uh, most recent life hack, Julian, you ready? So you may know this one. Apologies if you do. I, I used to travel 200 days a year pre-pandemic. Uh, not so much now. But um, you go to the hotel, right? And you got the, the, the drapes to block out the light. And then it seems like about seven out of ten times, uh, there's like a little crack between the drapes. And, and in the morning, it does like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, like focused light beam right in your face. And it wakes you up at like six in the morning. Like, toll, this sucks. So here's what you do, okay? Go to the closet. Get a pants hanger from the closet. Has little clips for pants. Use those clips to clip the drapes closed. Boom, problem solved. That That is the life hack in issue two of the Bear Facts. Love that life hack. I, I Consider me a lifetime subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, Jay, uh, it's been a great having you on the show. We, we covered a really nice range of topics. I hope people got a lot of value out of understanding why social, uh, why social strategy is important. So thanks for coming on the show. We look uh, forward to having you back soon. I'd love to do it. Thanks so much.